to scare you to sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Happy Halloween, dear listeners. Have you ever heard of black-eyed kids or black-eyed children, I think some people call them? If not, you should do yourself a favor and do some research on them, especially for Halloween. They're one of the scariest forms of high strangeness I think are out there. Whenever I hear another story of someone coming into contact with them and refusing to let them in their house or car or to go with them, I just can't help but wonder, what if they did? What if they said yes to these terrifying tots and let them inside or drove them home just like they asked? I'm sure someone said yes and we've never heard from them again. Speaking of never hearing from someone again, another thing that keeps me up at night are cold cases of missing people. They break my heart, and they can make you crazy if you think too much about the lack of answers. With those two things keeping my anxiety in business, this story sort of wrote itself. So I present to you, Araceli. Wednesdays were her longest days. On Wednesdays, all three of Araceli's jobs intersected, and she had to work a 19-hour day. Since the loser she moved to the city for bailed, she was stuck trying to afford her shitty, overpriced studio, or be homeless. Her career as a painter hadn't exactly blossomed into the rock star lifestyle she had fantasized about during homeroom. She tried apprenticing at a tattoo parlor, but despite her skills on canvas, she just couldn't get the knack of human skin. Doc, the owner, kept her on as an off-the-books shop assistant, though. She cleaned up after the artists and locked up at night. Araceli's alternative look didn't leave much room for employment opportunities, Old people were still under the impression that tattoos and piercings equaled lazy miscreant. Her other two jobs were picking up shifts as a barista, and three times a week she did janitorial services for a medium-sized office building. It was mostly empty, save for some internet startup that looked like it was already failing, and a management company that owned a couple of apartment buildings. The loser boyfriend had taken off only two weeks after she agreed to put her name on the lease of their apartment. Almost before the ink was dry, he admitted to falling in love with the bass player of the band he was in. Araceli could only watch in shock as he packed up a few boxes and left. She never heard from him again. Since it all happened so fast... She had never really gotten to enjoy or explore the city she had dreamed of moving to. This place she had romanticized. The place where he told her she would fit in great with the local punk rock scene. And the place where they were going to smoke cigarettes together and watch the sunrise over the beautiful skyline. The place the guy she met online would send her picture after picture of all captioned, wish you were here, or can't wait till we're together. No, 
this place had immediately become a black hole of despair. It's hard to heal a broken heart on an empty stomach. It was around 11.30 p.m. as she sat down on a bench to wait for her bus. She was exhausted and stared down at her lap, hoping not to make eye contact with any nocturnal monsters who might be lurking around. Her eyelids were heavy, and she was almost nodding off when she noticed the Calavera Katrina she had tattooed on her upper thigh was weeping. It had begun to rain, and there was a hole in the roof that was meant to protect the bus stop benches. Another reminder of her lovesick stupidity. She spent half the money she had saved from her after-school job to purchase several cheap tattoos before moving here to impress the boy who promised to change her life. He had kept that promise. Her life was definitely different now. This was not a small town where everyone knew everyone else's business, where people didn't even pretend not to stare at her as she walked by. Her mother wasn't here. Not that she had really been there for years. Ever since the twins went missing, her mother had become a husk of a person, completely broken by grief and not caring to remember that she had another very much alive and present child who needed her. Her father had always been a man of few words. He worked long hours and didn't show much interest in Araceli. She was pretty sure he blamed her for what had happened. They both did. The dark and rainy bus bench didn't really have much in the way of distraction and she couldn't stop her mind from fogging over with memories of that night. It was Halloween, a rare time when the holiday actually fell on a Saturday, making trick-or-treating feel even more special. Araceli was 16 and desperately wanted to go out with her friends who were conducting a seance in an old cemetery on the outskirts of town. But her parents insisted that she bring the twins trick-or-treating. When she argued that she had plans, her father quipped, Isn't that the whole point of being goth? Isn't Halloween every day for you? Maybe today's like her Super Bowl, her mother said. Her parents both laughed, and her mother continued, Trick-or-treating won't take long. Besides, you shouldn't be messing with all that witchy stuff anyway. Her mother was headed to the hospital for a late shift, and her father had just gotten home from a long haul, so he wasn't about to be moved from his chair in front of the TV. She looked down at the eager faces of Gabby and Benny. They were seven at the time. Gabby was dressed like a pirate, complete with a parrot plushie velcroed to her shoulder, and Benny was an alien, his green-painted hands clutching a pumpkin-shaped pail. She couldn't say no to those faces. Adults think teenagers are completely self-centered, but that wasn't true. Araceli knew that G and B wouldn't want to go trick-or-treating forever, and she should cherish these precious moments with her siblings. She then thought of her secret boyfriend, Paul, the 25-year-old punk rocker she had met online 
Once she graduated next year, she was moving to the city to be with him. And she wouldn't get to see the twins much at all then. Yeah, okay. Trick-or-treating won't be so bad. She said with a smirk. You won't even need a costume! You already dress like a vampire! (laughs) Her mom said laughing and stuffing her packed lunch into the oversized tote bag she always brought to work. The twins giggled and Araceli rolled her eyes. She should have just laughed along with them, but she had no idea that that would be the last joke she ever heard her mom tell. In fact, it was the last time she ever truly heard her mom laugh. After that, her mother kissed them all goodbye and left for her night shift. Before they even made it out of the house, her dad was snoring. So, the three siblings quietly slipped out of the house into the crisp autumn night. Araceli would later hear her usually stoic father through her parents' locked bedroom door, sobbing. I didn't even tell them goodbye. For the next hour or so, the trio walked from house to house. Araceli usually just hanging back at the foot of the driveway while G and B went up to claim their treats. B was in a joke-telling phase, and he was honestly cracking them all up as they made their trek around the neighborhood. What is... A ghost's nose full of. I don't know. What is a ghost's nose full of? Ooh, girls. <laughs> Araceli laughed. <laughs> Gross, B. Ari, can you hold my parrot? It keeps flopping over. Asked G, stopping and tugging on Araceli's coat. Yeah, sure. They all stopped for Araceli to carefully remove the parrot, which had drooped forward. God, these cheap costumes, man. They just can't hold up the weight of old Velcro Polly. Now hold still. I know it's Velcro, but I don't want to rip your whole sleeve off. Seriously, do they make these costumes out of tissue paper? As she was working on removing the parrot, something gripped Araceli from the inside. Like an icy hand had grabbed hold of her spine. She looked up. There, coming towards them up the sidewalk, was a group of three kids. The oldest looked like he was probably in middle school. The middle one was about the twins' age, and the youngest looked to be about five. Araceli couldn't tell what they were supposed to be dressed as. They all wore ragged-looking hoodies, their faces pale and around their eyes were hollow-looking, deeply shaded. Just some light foundation and some overdrawn eyeshadow, thought Araceli. But what she couldn't explain was the fact that their eyes themselves were completely pitch black. How do you get sclera lenses on a five-year-old? Araceli had successfully removed the parrot by the time the three ghoulish children walked up. Are you going in there? We can take them, said the oldest, gesturing towards the house they were standing on the sidewalk in front of. Up close, she could see that their clothes looked gray, but not like they were manufactured to be gray. They looked more like 
the color had leached out of them somehow, leaving them so faded you couldn't quite make out what the original colors even were. Um... Araceli felt her breath catch in her throat. Yeah, we're going there. Just getting my costume fixed. Come on, B. G grabbed B by the arm and started up the drive. But Araceli caught them both by the shoulders and held them back. No, we just came from there. You go ahead, she said, not fully understanding why she was suddenly lying to a small group of children. Something in her had just told her to, like an animal instinct. Ari, let go. We haven't gone there yet, bonehead, declared B as he tried to wriggle out of her grasp. The child looked at G directly and said, I like your costume. You know, I hear that this house gives out full-size bars. G blushed at the compliment and looked up longingly at Araceli. Ari, full bars. Full-sized candy bars were as rare and as valuable to a trick-or-treater as the Hope Diamond. If she said no, she would be whatever the Halloween equivalent of the Grinch was. So, she loosened the vice-like grip she had on their shoulders and said, Okay, but I'll be right here, watching. Come right back. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Ari. They each shouted as they bounded up the driveway. They didn't even wait for the creepy pale children. The oldest one turned to Araceli and said, You can come too. Don't you want full-size bars? I'm good, is all she could manage to say back. That cold hand still gripping her insides. She even felt the hair on her arm stand up. The weird kids then turned and followed G and B up the drive. Araceli watched them walk across the lawn and noticed that their feet were... wrong? She couldn't quite figure out what she was looking at. Like, they weren't finished. Or her eyes couldn't quite focus on them. Like her vision was blurring. She rubbed her eyes, forgetting the dark makeup she was wearing. Shit, she said, realizing that she had definitely smudged her carefully applied shadow and liner and quickly forgetting the odd sight she was trying to focus on. It was a busy night, so by the time they made it up, she had lost sight of both the twins and the creepy children in a crowd of even more trick-or-treaters who had come up from behind them. The children all swarmed the house's front door that she could see was being held open by an elderly woman. One by one, kids started running back down the lawn and driveway onto their next houses. As the herd thinned, Araceli started to panic. She couldn't see G or B anywhere. The door of the house was now closed, and there were no more trick-or-treaters lingering in front. In a panic, she ran to the next house, screaming, Gabrielle! Benjamin! Gabby! Benny! She ran up to the group standing in front of the door of the next house. She grabbed every child and turned them to face her, startling them and their parents, desperate to find her little brother and sister. 
One middle-aged woman confronted her. Don't you ever touch my child again, you little freak! Araceli didn't even care about the woman's tirade. She grabbed the woman by the shoulders and shrieked, My brother and sister are missing! They were just here! They're gone! Please help me! Okay, the woman said. Stunned, she fished her cell phone out of her purse and called 911. Hello? Yes, my name is Nancy Beersdorf. I'm on Maple Street, and there is a young woman here who says her siblings have gone missing. Yes, yes, they were trick-or-treating. The street is pretty active. She says they... Uh, Okay, yes. She turned to Araceli. They want to know what the kids were wearing, hon. Her tone much gentler than before. A pirate and an alien, like, like a green space alien. <laughs> the girl is the pirate. I, I have her parrot. Araceli said through tears and panicked breaths. She held up Gabby's parrot that she was still holding. <laughs> Their names are Gabrielle and Benjamin. Everyone calls them Benjamin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Their names. It's Gabrielle and Benjamin. But everyone calls them Gabby and Betty. I call them Chi and B. Okay, okay, sweetheart. The police are on their way. I'm going to call up some other parents to help look. Araceli felt her head swimming. She sat down hard on the curb. This was impossible. There was nowhere for them to have gone, except... A crazed Araceli marched over to the house where she had last seen the twins. She pounded on the door. The kindly old woman who had been handing out candy answered. Oh, hello. You look a little old to be jerk. Where are they? Araceli demanded. Pardon? Where are who? Asked the woman. My brother and sister, you hag. Where the fuck are they? This was the last place they were. You were the last person to see them. You're the only one who could have them. Give them back. Araceli screamed in the woman's face. By now, a few parents had heard the commotion and began to make their way over. I have no idea what you're talking about, young lady. Now leave my doorstep this instant, or I'm calling the police. Give me back my brother and sister. Araceli grabbed the old woman by the collar and slammed her against the door. Give them back to me. There was a crowd of witnesses. A few of the neighborhood dads pulled Araceli off the woman. The neighborhood was searched extensively, to no avail. The twins were never found. On top of dealing with the loss of their babies, Araceli's parents also had to deal with the fees and rigmarole associated with the assault charge the old woman had pressed against Araceli. The woman had osteoporosis and that body slam had broken one of her shoulder blades. The judge took it easy on her given the circumstances and her clean record, and she only had to do community service for a year. Her parents never forgave her, insisting she couldn't have been paying attention, even once accusing her of ditching the twins altogether to hang out with her friends. 
Her friends and even some of their parents insisted that Araceli hadn't been with them that night. So, luckily, that blew over into the less infuriating but still heartbreaking accusations of negligence. When she graduated, even though she was only 17, they didn't stop her when she announced that she would be moving to the city to be with a grown man. It was then she knew for sure that she had lost them, along with G and B. Forever. The bus was here. She stepped on and sat at the back, leaning her tired head on the window. The rain and her fatigue began to blur those old painful memories into a light slumber. Halloween? A voice said, causing Araceli to jerk out of sleep. Excuse me? She blurted back. Are you dressed for Halloween? An older woman sat in the seat across from her. Oh, uh, no, I, uh, I always dress like this, Araceli said, sheepishly. Well, that explains why you look so lovely. You practice all year round, the woman said, pulling a knitting project out of her large bag. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Araceli's face warmed. She wasn't used to people complimenting her style, especially kindly-looking older women. She smiled to herself, until... Wait, did you say Halloween? Is today Halloween? Yes, it is. Where have you been? On the moon? Said the woman, working her knitting needles thoughtfully. Uh, pretty much, yeah. She mumbled looking back out the rain-soaked window. Well, the moon looks good on you, and happy Halloween. You know, it's good we're riding this bus together. This is the night when the spirits all come out to play. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it is nice to have company. I'm usually alone when I ride this route on Wednesdays. Yes. Sometimes we just need someone to ride with, especially through tough nights. Yeah, yeah, I guess we do, Araceli answered, realizing she must be wearing her grief on her face. Their conversation had fogged the windows on the bus, and it was hard to see out of them. Neon signs became watercolor blurs, reflected on the glass as they passed them by. Soon, though, Araceli could see up ahead through the windshield that they were passing through a thick fog. The windows were now not only obscured by condensation, but clouded by fog. Nothing could be seen out of any of the windows. How could the driver even see where he was going? Suddenly, it felt like they were going faster, much faster. Too fast for these city blocks. The woman next to her didn't seem concerned, but they had to be reaching highway speeds, and there was no highway they should be traveling on for this route. 
Araceli stood up to ask the driver what the hell was going on. Either he was going to cause an accident, or he was taking them in completely the wrong direction. As she shakily made her way down the aisle, going pole to pole as not to fall down, she finally made it to the front, where she found that there was no driver. Before she could scream, the bus slowed quickly, throwing Araceli off her feet. She managed to stand back up as the bus came to a stop. The fog around the windows had cleared, but they were no longer on the rain-soaked streets of the city. They were on a suburban street in a neighborhood, surrounded by trick-or-treaters. Araceli began to work the mechanism to open the bus door when... I don't believe this is your stop, is it? The kindly woman was now standing, holding her knitting in one hand, and her other was resting gently on Araceli's shoulder. No, but where the hell are we? Where's the driver? I just think we need to go back to our seats and wait for our stops. What are you talking about? We're not even in the city anymore. We need to at least get off and figure out where we are. And why aren't you as freaked out as me right now? Our fucking driver disappeared. Did he? Was there a driver when you got on? Of course there was. What did he look like? I I don't know. I don't think I actually looked at him. It felt like the admission of a self-centered asshole. She had been so lost in her own thoughts that she hadn't even bothered to acknowledge the human tasked with driving her around. So, how could you know there was a driver? The woman's tone was earnest, despite how preposterous her question was. I'm not even going to entertain that. Look, do you have a cell phone? I don't have one, but maybe we can call the bus company. They usually have an 800 number or something posted somewhere. Araceli began to search around the front of the bus for a phone number. No, I don't have use for things like that. Why don't we just go back to our seats and wait for our stops? Should be back to where we're meant to be in no time. Look, lady, I don't mean to be a bitch, but... Before Araceli could go off on the woman, she looked past her to the window door to see a small pirate with a missing shoulder parrot skip by. Her entire body was numb all of a sudden. Gee? She muttered under her breath. It couldn't be. It just couldn't be. It had to be some other little girl. I mean... That costume must have been manufactured by the thousands. All of them probably had the same shitty flopped over parrot that thousands of mothers or fathers or sisters had had to remove. Just as she was reassuring herself that this was just some cruel coincidence, then walked by a miniature alien clutching a pumpkin pail. There was no question about this one. Bee's costume was something they hadn't bought in the Halloween section of 
some giant superstore. It was an old silver leotard from Araceli's gymnastic days that her mother had lovingly embroidered to look like it had official space alien patches belonging to some made-up star fleet. Araceli moved like lightning to the mechanism that opened the doors, but somehow the old woman was faster. She stood in front of it, still looking at Araceli with the kindest of eyes. You need to go back to your seat, Araceli, she said pleadingly. No, what I need to do is go get my missing brother and sister. They're out there. The kidnapper must have brought them here. She shoved the woman aside, and a flash of the old woman whose shoulder she broke came suddenly to her mind. But she pushed it away. She would break that old bat's shoulder a hundred times if it meant getting G and B back. Same for this old lunatic, whoever she was. She looked down at the woman, now laid out on the floor. She looked back at the handle to open the doors. She chose the doors. As she began to run down the steps, she stopped, turned, and knelt down to help the woman up. I'm sorry. I am so sorry, but I have to go save them. She pulled the woman to her feet and helped her balance herself. Just don't lose sight of the bus. Don't go into the fog. The woman warned cryptically, but Araceli was already on her way out of the bus. As her feet made contact with the neighborhood street, a thought crossed her mind. How did she know my name? In the same split second, her brain seemed to finally digest that the woman was warning her about fog as if she knew something. She turned to ask the woman what she meant through the open bus door, but she came face to face with a wall of fog. If the bus was still there, she couldn't see it. There was no time to question just what in the fuck was going on. She had to find her brother and sister. She could figure out the bus after that. She walked down the street, hordes of children passing her left and right, to and fro, going about their happy Halloween night. She remembered that the bus hadn't picked her up until almost midnight. Why were there so many little kids still out trick-or-treating? Usually this was the time of night when most houses had turned off all their lights, the traditional sign of, we're out of candy. Everything around her felt fuzzy, like the edges of the world had gone soft. She had fallen when the bus stopped. Maybe she had hit her head. Maybe the rain made her cheap mascara run into her eyes. It wasn't raining now, though. It was crisp and cool. The perfect Halloween night. She walked briskly around the street, searching for her brother and sister. G! B! She called. Her voice sounded almost echoey and tinny, like something coming out of an old radio playing in a canyon. Gabby! Benny! It's Ari! She hoped that they would come running, away from their captor so she could scoop them up and take them home. She finally spotted them, standing at the end of the block, under a street sign. 
the block ended in the same wall of fog that separated the bus. They looked different somehow. Gabby looked pale. Benny was still covered in green paint, but she swore she remembered the green being much more vibrant than this sickly color it had turned. They stared at her blankly. No smiles. No running up to her for hugs. Oh my god, babies, come here. She knelt in front of them and wrapped her arms around both of them. They felt funny. Her arms itched where her bare skin met their bodies. Where have you been? Who took you? They continued to stare. It doesn't matter. Let's just go. We have to find the bus. We can figure all that out later. She grabbed both their hands, and it was like cold lightning shot up both her arms. She let go with a squeal of pain. They can't go with you. They live here now, said a voice from behind her. It sounded familiar, but she couldn't place it. Araceli turned slowly. She was face to face with them, the creepy ghoul children from that night. The oldest, the leader, was the one speaking. What the fuck are you talking about? Who are you? She demanded. She shivered as she stared into his pitch black eyes. She felt like a piece of her was being drained away. Like when you give blood and you feel a little emptier afterward. She quickly looked down at her feet and the feeling went away. They live here now. You can live here too. We can all live here. We get to go out sometimes. But only when everyone has forgotten you. Where is here? She asked. The two younger ones of the group giggled. The oldest continued his cold stare. Araceli began to look around and realized he wasn't the only one staring. They were no longer on a warmly lit suburban street, but somewhere, somewhere that can only be described as fog and sorrow. A place you wouldn't really quite remember if you tried. The only thing that remained was the street sign under which the twins still stood. The street sign for Maple Street. They weren't speaking, just staring like the other children. It was then she realized the twins also had all black eyes. Everyone forgets about you someday. The missing children's posters go in the trash. Your things get taken to a thrift store or the dump. The only people who ever missed you die. Then no one remembers. Then you get to go and get new friends. The middle one chimed in. It was the first time Araceli had ever heard her speak. The children started closing in. 
but I haven't forgotten them. Maybe the rest of you have been forgotten, and I'm so sorry. But they haven't been. She pointed wildly at the twins. They still have a mother, and a father, and a sister who misses them every single day. So you have to give them back. They can't go back. But you can stay here. We could use a mother, said the oldest. You could be our mother. The crowd was now getting close enough to Araceli that she felt like she was about to be devoured. She turned to the twins, grabbed them by the hands, the electricity pulsing through her painfully, but she held on tight. I'm coming back for you. I'm going to find a way to bring you back. She looked into their cold, black eyes, and she felt like she could see, deep down, that her goofy and loving brother and sister still remained in there. Deep down. But I have to go now. I have to go, or none of us will ever get out. With tears running down her face in rivers, she dropped their hands and ran. She ran past the small children. Anytime one touched her, it was like a burning cold shock. She had to find the bus, but like the old woman had warned against, she had gone into the fog and she was lost. Please help me, please. I need to get back. I want to help them, all of them. But I have to come back. Please. I'm so sorry I didn't listen. Her desperate cries echoed off the fog. She turned and saw an army of black-eyed children coming towards her. Their leader at the front. She was ready to give up when a light... A bright, magnificent light shone through the fog. She had no idea what it was, but it made the children wince and shudder. They stopped moving. Araceli took that as a good sign and quite literally went towards the light. As she ran, the source finally came into view. They were headlights. The bus's headlights. She boarded through the still open door and collapsed. The door shut, and she looked up to see the knitting woman with her hand on the handle. I'm sorry, is all Araceli could say before she began to sob. The woman grabbed her and held her. I think it's time we take our seats. This wasn't our stop. Araceli looked up and nodded slowly. She followed the woman back to where they had been sitting before. The bus started up on its own and began to drive. Soon the fog lifted and the rainy streets of the city were passing them by once more. I have to go back. I have to help. Araceli finally said, 
After many minutes of silence, the woman had returned to her knitting. You'll find the answers you need, but I will warn you. Many have tried, and all have failed, the task you hope to achieve. The words that came out of her mouth sounded so different than before. But then, her gentleness returned, and she added, But next Halloween is so far off, you've got lots of time to figure stuff out. Who are you? Araceli asked, her eyes full of sorrow and wonder. The bus came to a stop. Well, that's my stop, young lady. You have a nice night. Happy Halloween. The woman smiled and exited the driverless bus before Araceli could find the words to stop her. The bus drove on. It dropped her off right in front of her building instead of at the bus stop a block away like usual. As she walked up the aisle to leave, she said out loud to the empty interior, Um, thank you. As she stepped down onto the street, she turned and said, Same time next year? There was no answer. But she swore she noticed the headlights flicker in agreement. Because next year, she would be ready. Whatever it took. Whatever she had to sacrifice. Next year, she was getting the twins back. Normally, at the end, I think my author, I was the author, so thanks, me. (laughs) Um, Only one announcement this week, and that is that next week, I will be taking the week off. I'm saying week a lot. I will be taking the week off next week from the show. Um, I'm going to be getting the show in order to get ported over to a new host site. I know you've heard this song and dance before, but this time I promise it's happening. There was no last-minute extension of any contracts. This time it's happening for sure. Um, this, So I'm going to be going to a new host site. In the near future, this is why I'm taking next week off. I need to spend a lot of time on this because I have a lot of work to do. Scare You to Sleep will officially be available on all listening platforms again. Yes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google, you name it. I will also be booting the Patreon back up. I know so many of you miss Patreon. Those of you who are with, uh, who are Patreon patrons before, remember my very sad goodbye video <laughs> where I had to be so cryptic because I couldn't even tell you why I was shutting down Patreon for the time being. Well, it's coming back, so look out for that. I'm also looking forward to putting a lot of YouTube videos back up. Uh, a year ago, I was in the midst of putting up, um, putting all of the episodes onto YouTube, mostly with just a static image of the show's logo. But I know I just want people to have an opportunity to listen in any way they like. 
Um, I use YouTube to listen to a lot of ASMR while I'm working. So sometimes it's nice to just kind of stay in one place and listen to podcasts and everything in one spot. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be, and I'm hoping um, soon, I don't know when this is going to happen. This is a little bit further away just because I haven't set up anything yet, but I will be doing some actual ASMR videos, like with me on the screen doing some ASMR and whispering in your ears and not all whispering. Some of it'll just be sound. Some it'll be whispering. Some it'll be, some of it will be me speaking gently, kind of like I do on the show, but it'll have, you know, some sort of visual aspect. So that's fun. I'm very excited about that. Lots to look forward to in the future. I'm very excited. Um, so no episode next week, but for a good reason. Also, like I have groused to you all before, I haven't had a week off from the show in over a year. A lot of shows take hiatuses or they work in seasons. This show has not been that way um, for the past year, over a year. Um, I haven't had, yeah, a single week off. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of let my brain rest. You know, when you work in a creative space. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. Um, sometimes you just really do. You, your brain kind of hits a wall. And I have I have felt that wall for quite a while now. I think in August, I really, really hit a wall, but I've been having to power through it for contractual reasons. And um, now I'm coming out the other side and I could really, really use a break. I could really use one week where I don't have a deadline. And that has honestly been why I know my last few episodes have been running like a day late. It's, I'm just really burnt out. I'm really burnt out. I'm so sorry. But next week, it will be lots of work, but it's going to be all kind of computer type work. Oh, I just hit my microphone. Um, it, it's all going to be like non-creative stuff dealing with porting over all the episodes. I'm also going to look into numbering all the episodes. Uh, I know a lot of you miss the, it's, it's easier to find stuff when they're numbered. It's easier to look up stuff and be like, Hey, when did she talk about this? And it's like, Oh, episode 245. And it's like, Oh, I can just go find that, you know, numerically instead of trying to find the name of one. So I understand why it, that was because of the numbers got messed up when I went from one host site to the other. Now I'm going to another one. And this time I'm really going to work on getting the numbers all worked out. So yeah, um, that was a lot of housekeeping. That's why I put it at the end. So the people who don't like listening to all the housekeeping have hopefully just turned it off by now. Um, I, yeah, I think that's all for this week. I hope you all have a very fun and safe Halloween, whether it's watching movies in your home or going ghost hunting. I put up a little thing on Twitter. If you want to go participate, I just asked what everyone's doing this weekend for Halloween. Some of you are going ghost hunting. That sounds like so much fun. Um, I am personally going to do a double feature at the movies on Saturday night, um, of Antlers and The Last Night in Soho, or Last Night in Soho. I think I just added the, the like an old person, Last Night in Soho. Um, I'm, I've been stoked for both of them. I really want to see both of them, so I'm going to see both of those. And then Sunday night, uh, those of you who live in LA have probably heard of this, the haunted hayride that happens every year except last year for reasons and i'm so excited i'm going to go on this haunted hayride it's so much fun if you live near the la area or in the la area and you haven't done it yet 
Um, I believe there are still tickets. Um, it's in Griffith Park. You go through the old abandoned zoo, and it's the production value, honestly, is better than Universal's uh, Hollywood Horror Nights or anything better than any haunted anything I've ever been to. The production value is incredible. You think at first it's not going to be as fun because you're not walking through the jump scares, but because you're not walking through the jump scares, they do these vignettes that are just like so, I mean, one year you went through and you're on the ride and you look over and it's like in the middle of this field, you see this like cult, like at this like church and there, there's like a, a, an evil preacher type character, this like demon at the front of the church, like talking in like Latin or something. And then they turn and look at you. And as they start slowly walking towards you, the preacher demon thing starts growing, like literally goes like it seemed like 20 feet in the air, just on this platform that raised, which you couldn't even see the platform. It looked like he was just floating and growing up into the air and then all their the minions like attack the the hayride. It's incredible. I can't say enough about it. Um, anyway, I didn't ramble about baking this week. I rambled about scary things. So at least I stayed a little bit more on topic of the show. <laughs> all right, everyone. Um, I will see you in two weeks. Not next week. I will see you in two weeks. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you, by the way, for those of you who are listening currently, thank you so much for sticking through me this, sticking through me, um, sticking by me this last year. Uh, It was very scary to go to a single platform to be exclusive. It was a great, great opportunity. I would have never changed it for the world. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing, to be honest. It was amazing. I got my show mediums because of it, and that was so much fun. And thank you so much for those of you who I know it's not easy. I know some of you did not like going to a different podcast app or, you know, downloading a new podcast app just to listen to my show. And I know some of you only use this specific podcast app, this specific app to listen to my show. And I just want to say thank you so much. I see you and I hear you and it does not go unnoticed. And Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I cannot wait to see what we can all do in the future. And hopefully, you know, those of you who are participating a lot in the social media, welcoming all the hopefully new listeners I will be getting now that I'm going back multi-platform. All right, everyone. I have been talking way too much. I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, I'm feeling very vulnerable about it, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) But, you know, that's what happens when you put your work out there. Um, and like I said, I'm hit, I've hit a wall, so I apologize that I'm being so, uh, insecure right now. All right, everyone. I love you so much. Go drink water. Please stay safe this weekend. Go get some sleep and sweet dreams.